Hey guys, good morning. Um, I just want to remind everybody that we started the second kind of uh, quarter of 50 weeks. And so what we've said at the church is that we're trying to be here and engage 50 weeks of this year. And so that's either present in the room or watching online. And so uh, if you haven't engaged in that, please do. We have these little cards, put it in your, in your car and uh, get it stamped. I know we lose steam on these things and it's easy to be excited about it at first, but uh, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm so grateful that so many of you have made the decision to be engaged in the gathering um, consistently because I think as far as I can tell, we've had some amazing time together as a church. Um, worshiping God, celebrating Easter, and a couple of different series and different things. And there's some really um, great things that are on the horizon uh, starting out today with this series and the next couple of weeks, which I'm, I'm thrilled about. And um, just as we think about Easter and we think about uh, Good Friday and those amazing uh, moments that we came together to celebrate, uh, today is gonna kind of be a launching into uh, what it can mean for our lives, specifically as, as it's related to servanthood, because we're in a season of serving at our church. And so we believe that uh, serving is a hallmark. It's, it's a cardinal attribute for those of us that follow Christ. So I want to unpack that a little bit uh, uh, today and then share with you how we intend to stimulate that growth over the next couple of weeks with you guys. Speaking of, of the cross and the resurrection, there are so many aspects of the cross and the resurrection that really um, it's the centerpiece of our faith and every single week we should look. We should look at the cross. That's why a lot of places have crosses. We don't have a cross in here. We had one on stage uh, up here for the Good Friday service. And uh, whether it's literally or just contemplatively, you need to look at the cross. The cross is a source. The cross is where we get to see the king of the world uh, reigning and bringing about his rule into the world. It's hard to understand that sometimes, how the cross and the kingdom of God are connected. And there's a lot of different pictures throughout the Bible that let us know how the cross and the kingdom are connected. There's a time when Jesus is walking around and having conversations with people, and he, he says some things like, um, I need to be raised up onto a pole in order for this whole kingdom to come. And he talks about just how Moses raised up a snake in the wilderness, so does uh, the Son of Man need to be lifted up. You hear that and you go, what in the world is he talking about? And he's referring to a story when the Israelites are in the wilderness and they're all grumbling and complaining and they're just acting mad that God took them out of Egypt because in Egypt they were in slavery, but at least they had some of the bare necessities meant to a degree, and now they're in the wilderness, and it's not so easy, and they're, they're missing the big picture. And so basically God allows these venomous snakes to move into the Israelite people, and the snakes start to bite people and they die. And so everyone's like, this is a problem, and God's like, well, okay, then go ahead and make a snake out of bronze, and lift it up, and people that have been bitten by the venomous snake, if they look at the snake on the pole, then they won't die and they'll be healed. 
And in that very story, you get the very punctuated picture of Jesus, who is simultaneously the curse and the cure for our sin. And that's what the picture is, because on the cross, God made him who knew no sin to become sin. So when we look at the cross, we see this horrifying yet unbelievably glorifying moment happening simultaneously. The curse and the cure. Our sin kind of being brought all to um, a head onto Jesus' physical body. And at the same time, that type of experience and what he's doing there spiritually is he is curing us from the burden and the weight and the destruction of sin. So we look at the cross and you could see this snake. It's the curse and the cure. And so every single week when we come together, we look at Jesus and we get to look at the curse in the sense that we are all living in a curse. We have sin. We have major problems that are a result of our sin and brokenness. But thanks be to God who is the cure and he's the forgiver of our sin. And he's the one who relieves us from the burden of those sins. And he forgives us of those sins. And he overcomes the power of those sins. And so that's one of the reasons that we come together is to look at Jesus Christ who on a cross is actually doing something for us that is, that is serving us. He's serving us that way. He's showing us who we are. He is showing us who he is. He is showing us his plan for our lives. And this is why in the resurrection, which we talked about on Easter, he raises not just to prove that he's God, but because he's God. He raises to new life and he starts the process of new creation so that we can live lives with the animated power of the Holy Spirit as a life force now moving through us and so we don't have to fall into uh, curse and sin and living that life. We can live a life of fruit and we can flourish and we can be the kind of people that God wants us to be as we partner with him and we walk through life with him. And that's what the resurrection does. God is a gardener and he breathes the life force onto us and he says, now you're my partners. Go into the world and bring about the goodness of God. When we partner with God, the scriptures talk about all types of ideas related to what it means to be partnered with God. Uh, one of the words it means is that we're unified with God. You're unified with God, you're in unity with God. And that's an amazing idea. You may not feel that way all the time, but from a spiritual perspective, the scriptures teach that you are now one with God. You've been unified with him and uh, that you're in a sense seated with him, that you're in this uh, place with him and you and him are on the same page and that there's this kind of unified connection. There's, there's another piece that means uh, communion. So you're not just on the same page with God, you're communing with God. You're in relationship with God. You're in intimate connection with God. Uh, that's what we're supposed to be living all of the time, that we wake up every single day, and there is a genuine awareness of the presence of God in our lives. He's our partner. We're unified with him. We're in communion with him, and we love him. There's a bond that happens because of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, that turns us into beings of love. As we look at the serving uh, Lord who gave his life for us and loved us that way, 
over time, we become beings of love. And I've talked about this a, a lot of different times, and oftentimes we can feel like love is a duty, that it's something that we have to do. But really, the purpose of love is not just something that you have to do, it's something that you're becoming. So it's not your duty, it's your destiny. God loves you so much that he wanted to serve you this way so that he could start new creation, so that he could partner with you, so that through the work of his uh, uh, effort and his life force, the Holy Spirit, and your commitment to fellowship, you guys can become beings of love and bear fruit that makes this world a beautiful place. Uh, there's a great passage where Jesus talks about what he's doing on the cross and what he's going to do with the resurrection. And there's often confusion about it. But Jesus really brings it home and says, when you're looking at the cross, you need to be looking at me in the sense that, like I've mentioned, you're looking at the curse, you're looking at the cure, and you are, you're looking to me to understand what life is really all about, what it's really all about. And so um, if you have your Bibles, you can open this up. I'm not going to put this on the screen. I have another passage I'm going to put on the screen. But I'll just read this if you, if you want to listen. But this is a great conversation between Jesus and James and John as it's related to the cross and the kingdom and what it means to be partners with God. This is in uh, John 10, 35 through 45. It says this, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want... We want you to do whatever we ask for you. If you've ever had your kids do that, it's really funny. Will you, will you, do, will you just promise that you're gonna say yes to whatever I'm gonna ask you? Please do whatever we ask. Like, like we're, we're followers of you. Can you like give us a head start here? And, and then Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left hand in glory. You do not know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? We can't, we can't, they say. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right hand or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. I just want you to remember that, the right and the left hand. You, the, those spots have already been determined. What is Jesus talking about? He's saying that you're gonna drink the cup, you're, you're gonna go through what I'm gonna go through, but to sit at my right hand and my left hand, those spots are already taken. What is he talking about? When the 10 heard that, about this, they became indignant because they didn't understand with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be the first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. In this passage, Jesus unveils to us that Jesus is the servant of all so that we can become the servant of many. Jesus is the servant of all, the servant of all, 
so that through his serving us, we can become the servant of many. And what he's doing theologically is saying, what I'm gonna do to bring about the kingdom and what you're asking for is going to be the mechanism that makes you become the servants the way that I am a servant. So what you see in me will be what you need to be in the world. And so what Jesus is talking about when he says the right and the left hand is he's referring, he is referring to his crucifixion. And he is saying, you, do you wanna go to the cross? Do you wanna go right now and die on a Roman cross with me? And they, they think that he's talking about sitting on a throne in, in, in some kind of palace in Jerusalem. But what Jesus is constantly doing is showing us that the way he serves and that his kingdom is not connected to the throne the way that you and I think it is, but it is connected to the cross because it is in the cross that he becomes the curse and the cure. That is where he does his work. That is what the king who we serve looks like. He goes onto a cross, the cross is his throne, and he takes up the company of criminals and thieves. And while he is on his throne on the cross, he has a thief on his right and a thief on his left. And so that's what Jesus is referring to, to James and John. He says, you will die a certain way because you believe what you believe in me. But when I'm on my throne in glory, what I'm going to be doing is serving you. And I'm going to be put in a place where I am associated with and connected to absolute criminals on this earth. Because that is what it looks like for you to serve. I will be the one that is equated to them so that through what I do, I can forgive them and forgive you and you can now go into the world and be someone like me in the world. And so they didn't understand all of that. That was a lot. The kingdom and the cross is connected and Jesus is serving on the cross. He's the curse and the cure all in one moment. If you wanna sit next to me, it's already been determined because these thieves are gonna be next to me and that's a picture because as I save them, so then you will go and save those like them the way that I saved them. That's a lot. And the one who really gets this and understands it and embodies it throughout the narrative of the scriptures is Paul. Paul, through his life in sharing the message of Jesus, he becomes like one of the criminals on the cross and that he shares in the suffering of Christ and through his suffering, many are served. So Paul has this beautiful book called Philippians where he is in prison. He's in prison in Ephesus and he has great joy being in prison because he believes that sitting in that spot and being under that type of, of pain and being in that suffering, that that is his way in sharing in the ministry of Jesus who says the way that I serve the world is by helping everyone so that you all can help many. So Paul believes, okay, Jesus suffered and died. The kingdom of God looks like someone who gives themselves up for everybody else. So I've leveraged my time, my energy, who I am so that I could serve. And by serving, I find myself sitting next to Jesus in prison, if you will. So now he has become 
like Christ. And in that, he finds tremendous joy because he understands that the cross is the doorway for serving God, for serving many, and he believes that he's been honored to be someone who would suffer in any way like Jesus has suffered to bring about the message of the kingdom of God. So he has this amazing little letter, and it actually the, the letter of, of Philippians is, is, uh, is a great letter, and it represents um, the first church that started as a, as a result of Paul's ministry. And so Paul has this really special connection to the people in Philippi. When he first went out, he started this church in, in Philippi, and he made great connections with the people. The people loved him, he loved them, they spent time together, they broke bread together. In fact, there's a lot of people that believe that he felt like a family member to the people in Philippi. It was like, it was like an extended family. Paul realizes that he's supposed to go and share the message of the kingdom of God at whatever cost. He ends up in northern Greece and he's with the Philippians and he starts a gathering of believers there and they get together once a week or twice a week and they break bread and they, he shares with them about who Jesus is, what he did, how he rose from the dead, how he gave them a new kingdom, and how he is sharing that kingdom, and that that kingdom is outlined by love and sacrificial giving of oneself for the betterment of the people in the world. And Paul spends all of this time with them, and then he ends up in prison. And what happens is, is while Paul is in prison, the people of Philippi send him gifts to help him in the midst of it. And he's so overwhelmed by the gifts that he's moved to emotion and tears and celebration. Because those gifts that come from the people at Philippi, they represent people who feel and believe that because of the time they spent together, they're in prison together. And those people are sending gifts like saying, we're in this together. We are with you, man. We believe in you. Uh, one, one kind of outline for this, the letter of Philippians has been categorized as a letter of friendship or a family letter, but might more properly be called a letter of fellowship or a word that you grew up in church, maybe you heard this, koinonia. And this word koinonia or the word fellowship or partnership that we're gonna put up on the screen, it often comes with this general tone to you and I that we're supposed to have fellowship. How many grew up in the church where there was the fellowship hall? Yeah, a lot, I mean a lot, of, the fellowship hall. is a place where the Christians get together and they, you know, they have a potluck. Or I, I was at a church one time, no joke, because one of the elders thought that saying luck was like sacrilegious. He said, we don't call it a potluck, we call it a pot blessing. <laughs> and that was offensive to me, but now I call it a pot blessing, just for fun. But you have a pot blessing, right? Where you sit with one another. And certainly koinonia means that. But when Paul talks about koinonia in this first and opening uh, remarks of his letter to the church at Philippi, he is talking about something that transcends just knowing someone. He is talking about a connection that is made with a group of people 
based upon the mission of Jesus and the joint suffering and ministry that takes place. He is talking about a group of people who, although they are in one location and he is in another location doing the work of the ministry, there is a connectivity between the two of them that feels like fellowship and koinonia, like unity, like communion, like family, like joint partnership. There is all, it is almost like the people in Philippi, by the sending of the gifts, are saying, we are with you. And because Paul knows them so deeply, he feels their presence through their presence. And so it's, it fills him with joy. It fills him with life to know that these people have supported him so much. And so it says this in the opening remarks of Paul's letter. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, and this is on the screen, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all of my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because your partnership, your fellowship, your koinonia in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And what Paul is getting at is that we are not only through the resurrection partners with God, but we are partners with one another. And we are not just supposed to partner with one another in this body here. We are supposed to, I believe, partner with people who are in places that we are not doing things that we are not doing or that we can't do. And we are not just supposed to know them and know their names. We are supposed to have koinonia with them. We are supposed to join with people in ministry fields and different areas and sectors of ministry all over the world in such a way that our heart feels like it's on the mission field with those people. So that there's a connectivity that just transcends knowing someone, but that you feel like you are in that place. We're supposed to be connected in partnership with people and places we're not doing what we believe needs to be done. And so what we're gonna do throughout the next couple of weeks is we are going to present to you all and bring together to all of us all of our partners. Now, we have partners at this church. We have partners that we call formal partners, people that we give to every month. And we're gonna share with you who those partners are, remind you. You can see who they are on our website. But on the, on the 15th, we're gonna have as many of them as possible in the hallway for you to connect with to get to know, to build an actual relationship with that goes beyond just knowing that you know, we give them some money. We're also going to have partners, some new partners, come up here the next three weeks and share their hearts with you so that you can hear from some of our partners and actually on, on May 15th, our longest standing partner, you're gonna get to hear Rich stand up here and you're gonna to get to hear his heart. And here's what that's gonna do for you. That's going to start a different level of fellowship with Rich when you hear his voice. You will care more about what he's doing. And this, this is my vision 
for the church because you are supposed to be involved in the mission of the gospel throughout the world. Jesus was the servant of all so that you and I could become the servant of many. That is our call. And I believe that the way this happens is like a funnel. It's general and you can give to a general fund and you can do great things. But I believe that God has something more. I think he wants your heart to get moved with what I'll call compassion for specific ministry efforts that are taking place all over the world. And I believe that it's supposed to move from the category of what you understand to something that you feel a personal connection to. And I think that that is part of what is happening with Philippians, that God really wants the local church to have a heart connection with people in the ministry doing things and that we can become a support system for them. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen to the speakers. I want you to meet them in the hallway. I want you to see them on May 15th. And then I want you to consider connecting at a different level of connection with at least one of them. I mean really connecting with them. I mean joining their team. Joining their team. I think you should do that. And if you don't wanna do that here, you should do that somewhere. You should have koinonia with somebody who is gonna go and do something in a place. You know, sometimes we don't know what people are up to, right? Like what they're doing. Some of these partners that we have are doing unbelievable things. And for example, when you hear um, uh, our partner from, uh, is it 117? I always get the numbers right. One seven, wrong, I get them wrong. So many numbers, 514, 117, one church, I don't even know. 117 International, um, what he is doing, Curtis, to reach kids and build these schools for kids who have this need in Haiti, when you get to know him, and I don't even know him like this, but I know people that know him like this. When you get to know him, what happens with him is going to move you emotionally. You are going to care about his successes and failures way beyond just giving him money. You are going to want to be part of it. And you need to find at least one person that you join their team. Here's the thing you'll find about these partners. Somebody already cares deeply about the thing that you'll eventually care deeply about. And I would offer to you that if you don't have a deep connection with someone who's in a place doing something and they're so committed to it that their life, they're suffering to make this mission of God happen, that if you haven't in some way connected at an emotional, relational level with those people, you are missing out on God's movement of the kingdom of God in the world. You're missing out on it. God does not want you to just stay here and live in this space where you just send out. He wants your heart to move into places and connect with people that are doing things that you may never actually do, but you may do some of. And so there's two different ways I want you to think about this and I'll lock it up. The first one is when you're connecting with these partners at a different level is support over scrutiny. You're gonna support them over scrutinizing them. A lot of times missionaries, they, they can feel a lot of uh, 
you know, or people that are doing this work, they can feel a lot of pressure. They feel a lot of pressure to, to have performance for us, you know, to make, are you doing well? And if I'm gonna give my money or I'm gonna pray, it needs to feel very different. These people that are in here, they need to feel that the church is lifting up their hands in victory. They need to feel that you are here to breathe life into them. And so support looks like this, encouraging words. Encouraging words. I want you to pick one of our partners and get to know them at a cell phone level. And I want you to start to text them and say, I just want you to know that I think what you're doing there is fantastic and that I'm with you. And through that, I want to relive the book of Philippians. I want to bring it about today that someone goes, I am feeling supported in my ministry. Financial support is an easy one. And then another point, a place of support is to literally, at some point, join the work. Just even if it's for a weekend, maybe it's for a week, but you join the work. So you're encouraging them, you're giving them financial support at a baseline, and then you're literally joining the work. And then the, the second piece is connection over control. I don't want your disposition towards partners to be that you want to or you think that you know what they're doing and you're gonna tell them what to do and they feel that they've gotta like make it look a certain way for you. I want our disposition to be that you are there to connect with them, build a relationship with them, that they know you by name and they feel, and this is critical, that they feel that your connection with them is safe. They can share with you, they can vent with you, they can ask you for help, they can ask you for prayer. They feel a connection and they don't feel like you're just trying to make sure they do. You understand, people that are in these type of partnerships, these missionary type people, they're constantly raising support. They're constantly raising money. They're constantly trying to make you believe that what they're doing is worth your money. And I want you to flip that on its head. And I want you to be a life force. And I want you to convince them that they are doing great work, that God is up to something good, that you are there for them. I want them to feel connected with, not controlled. Here's how you do connection. You break bread with them. You break bread. You, you have meals with them. I, I have relationships with some of our partners and honestly, one of the primary things I do is I go and I sit with them and I have food. And we weep. We weep, that we cry. I, I hear what they're doing. They tell me these stories. I'm telling you, you're gonna hear a story on May 8th from one of our new partners who's starting a new ministry effort to reach kids who are living in scary areas. And if he doesn't do what he, what he does, they're probably gonna end up on cocaine and heroin. But his heart is bleeding for these people. And he tells you stories of some of these guys that come into his ministry and how their lives are changed. And that connection in breaking bread, that is what happens when you sit with them and you look at them eyeball to eyeball, pray for them. I mean really, really pray for them. 
Tell them that you're praying for them. You know, a lot of us don't have the discipline of praying for the specific same things all the time. I would ask you that if you don't have that, start that and pick one of these partners, one of them, and pray specifically for their their ministry effort, know every one of their names, know their kids' names, know some of their staff people's names, and pray for them, and tell them that you pray for them. And then the other part of connection that can really happen if you do it in this order, breaking bread, pray for them, is accountability. And accountability isn't sound like, oh, you know, I need to make sure you're doing all the right things, it, 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 and put that pressure on them. It is a genuine offering to say to the people that you're connecting with, I wanna make sure that you have your priorities straight. Are you going, are you going sideways? Are you losing sight of your marriage? Are you losing sight of being a dad? Are you losing sight of taking care of self-care? And you move in as someone that, that they go, this person, if they ask me how are things at home, I can share with them and it can help me adjust and make a difference in my life because I know that I gotta give them a good answer. That's what this looks like, support over scrutiny, connection over control. I really want our church to build a relationship with our partners. So pick one. And next week, we're, we're gonna have, here at the church, we're gonna have Roy Hall, who played for the Buckeyes, and he was in the NFL, and he is a uh, executive coach and a motivational speaker, and he is also someone who runs something called the Driven Foundation, which feeds hundreds and hundreds of families every year, families that are in need. And he's become sort of an informal partner of our church. And he is 6'4", 245. And if you're intimidated by him, we have other partners. You don't have to, you don't have to be partners with Roy. But he, he's gonna be here next week. And he's gonna share. And then he's gonna be out in the hallway. And I, he's gonna kind of start this, this, we're gonna bring through this kind of, this, uh, this cycle of several weeks of bringing people in so you can meet them. And I'm really, really excited. I have a funny story to tell you about him uh, and I, he invited me to work out and dear Lord, uh, I'm still in a little bit of pain from that. So uh, he is a great guy and, and also he is doing a leadership conference that is here at the church and we'll talk more about that over the coming weeks but it's May 17th. It's a Tuesday and it's all day here and he has lots of great speakers, the CEO of Donato's, Ryan Day is gonna be here and, and sharing all types of different uh, leadership principles. And so we're joining with him in a lot of different ways to do his ministry. So let me take a minute and pray for us as we, uh, we move towards partnership and servanthood together. Father, thank you so much for giving us the picture of servanthood, for giving us uh, a reminder of the curse a picture of the cure. And Father, I pray that we would understand that you did that so we can do that. And that we can do that in our space, here, and through our connection and our relationship with people who are in these places who have huge burdens to do incredible things. And God, I pray that, that you would move our hearts that one of these partners, maybe two of these partners, would just kind of grab us in a new way 
God, we know that compassion comes when you get close. I pray, God, that we would move close to some of these partners and something about it would move us almost in a scary way that we knew that if we got that close that it would, it would be hard, but that we would run towards that and join that and be a part of your ministry here. We love you and we thank you for your servanthood. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey everybody, thanks for watching today. If you have questions, uh, need more information, wanna get connected, have prayer requests, or just need somebody to talk to, you can text the number on the screen. We love you guys. Thanks for watching and we'll see you later.